0: Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only.
1: The Forbes Under 30 podcast is brought to you by WordPress.com. More websites run on WordPress than on any other platform. That's true. Create your blog or small business website today and get 15% off any new plan purchase at WordPress.com slash Forbes. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes. This is Forbes Under
0: 30 on Podcast One.
1: And I'm your host, Steve Goldblum. On the Forbes Under 30 podcast, we talk to young innovators, disruptors, and entrepreneurs. On today's show, we have Tatiana Bergeson, the founder and CEO of Mati Energy. Her tea brewing hobby began inside her dorm room at Duke University and has now grown into a 30,000-square-foot manufacturing facility. You can get Mati Energy at Whole Foods and online Okay, so Tatiana, first of all. Thank you for joining me. I want to I want to point out that you are somewhere where there's lots of. Where are you? There's there's some background noise that we just want to acknowledge up front.
2: I am sitting in a little cafe in a town called Crested Butte, Colorado. It's a ski town. I'm on I'm on vacation skiing. I'm drinking a mati every day and enjoying the double blacks that they have out here. It's one of the best places for extreme terrain. And uh, you really can't ask for any better. Although the Wi-Fi could certainly be better.
1: Well, we're we're thankful that you're taking a little time out of your uh, well during your après ski to um, <laughs> uh, to speak with us. And uh, of course, that's a it's, nice plug for Matty Energy.
2: It, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure.
1: So let's let's start with the the origin story first. Why don't you just set up Matty Energy? What it is.
2: Sure. So Mati is a truly healthy energy drink. It's just a combination of juices and tea, but as much caffeine as a Red Bull or a 12-ounce cup of coffee and delivers over a longer period of time. So you don't get the jitters or the crashes that you normally do. Um, We we have six different flavors. I started Mati out in my dorm room at Duke as I was struggling with depression and needed something healthy and caffeinated every day to get me going. And still to this day, I drink at least one Mati, if not two to three a day to keep me going and build a a better and better life and company and um, reach every goal that I have.
1: So you can get Mati at Whole Foods. Where can you get it?
2: Yeah, you can get it anywhere in the U.S. on Amazon or on our website, matienergy.com. Or if you're in the southeastern U.S. or Texas, you can find us at um, Whole Foods, H-E-B, Kroger, um, Earth Fair, Lowe's Foods, and uh, a lot of mom-and-pop stores.
1: We're going to go back a- a- and talk about the origin, but you used to do all the packaging and labeling yourself, didn't you?
2: The first 100,000 cans I hand-labeled myself, yeah.
1: Now, you're not doing that anymore, right?
2: No, thankfully we buy the cans by the 200,000 load, and they come all printed. <laughs> it's, it's it's quite the luxury, actually.
1: Moving on up. That's impressive. <laughs> You were, (laughs) tell me as a, because I think in this podcast, people are really interested in the entrepreneurial pursuit and spirit. And so were you super ambitious and entrepreneurial as a kid?
2: I was definitely very ambitious. Um, I was really interested in entrepreneurship as a young kid. Uh, What got me most interested in entrepreneurship and kind of aware of it was when I was seven, I, I would spend my summers growing up. Um, with my grandparents, half the time in Iceland with my Icelandic grandparents, the other half the time in the Caribbean with my Venezuelan grandparents. And one of the summers I I spent in the Caribbean, my uncle had a tourism business where he would drive tourists around on jet skis. And that's how I got introduced to entrepreneurship and being your own boss. And I got to drive the tourists around in the jet ski as a seven-year-old. And I couldn't imagine anything better than and owning your own business and running it the way you wanted it to and making making an impact on the community where you lived. Um, my uncle, even though it was a tourism business, he hired lifeguards that protected the most dangerous beach on the island um, from not just the tourists that were renting and enjoying his tourism services, but everybody that was there. And so that was my, my first real introduction into entrepreneurship. And how it can have a positive impact on society.
1: You were driving as a seven-year-old.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. That's unbelievable.
1: <laughs> I, I don't even think seven-year-olds are like barely allowed in the back seat of a car.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I guess there's a combination of um fewer regulations and yeah. it was back in the nineties and so that was probably a little bit more flexible. I wasn't the only one driving it. There was an adult behind Were
0: skiing. you giving
1: the tours as a seven year old? Yeah. Were you gu- guiding the tours?
2: Was, well I, I did my best, mostly pointing at places and then dunking the tourists off the banana boats and being pulled by the jet ski.
1: Now I, I I wanna talk about a little bit of this is an interesting segue from from jet skis to depression, but you know, we can we can do it. At the top of the show, you mentioned that you were depressed in college. What brought that on?
2: Um, just trying to figure out what my life was going to be about and switching majors from engineering to business and not knowing what I wanted to do. Um, when when everybody around you is on the same four tracks, mm-hmm. whether it's law, pre-med, iBanking, or consulting, and you don't fit into one of those tracks, it's it's really concerning, but you're still ambitious. And so how, how can you be ambitious but not follow one of the ambitious
1: tracks. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Small businesses are at the heart of our communities in the places that we could not live without. The places like that little ice cream shop, the coffee shop that you go to, the taco shop that you, you know, the one that you go to, whatever it is that you do, whether you've been in the business for generations or recently launched Creating a website on WordPress.com can make a big impact on your business. Even if you don't have experience building a website, WordPress can guide you through the process. They have hundreds of customized themes to get you started. Just pick a template and make it your own. You'll get built-in search engine optimization and social sharing, that's good. When you build your website on WordPress.com, you're part of a community with support 24-7. Whenever you need it, get answers to your questions and get back to getting stuff done. Come see why 27% of all websites run on WordPress. Get started today with 15% off any new plan purchase. Go to WordPress.com slash Forbes to create your website and find the membership plan that's right for you. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes for 15% off your brand new website. WordPress.com Slash Forbes.
0: Hey everyone,
2: I'm Maggie McGrath, a staff writer at Forbes magazine and your new host for a show called Forbes on
1: Trump. Politicians are all talk, no action.
2: I'll be speaking with the editors and writers who are reporting on the 45th president. We'll hear what they're finding out about his wealth his business associates, and the ways in which he and his policies are affecting the economy, consumers, and all aspects of the
1: business world. Somebody has to come out and tell it like it is. Along
2: the way, we'll dive into Forbes archives, which contain decades of information that will add context to the current White House administration.
0: So listen to this, listen to this.
1: That's Forbes on Trump on Podcast One.
0: Subscribe now at iTunes, and don't forget to rate, review, and share.
1: You said that the antidepressants sort of really really put you in a funk. Well, I was
2: already in a funk but at least I still had the the ambition internally. I just didn't have the interest in um, doing anything about it. Um, And that's where the depression came about. It really factored in. And so the antidepressants diminished the ambition, but enabled me to execute on things that I knew I needed to do. And so it's kind of a catch-22. Which which one should you have? The the one that's the ambition that you feel like is a core part of your identity or... um, just being able to do the things you know that you need to do, whether it's homework or go to class or get up and eat breakfast or go to lunch.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you still take the medication today?
2: No, nope. I got off uh, two years after I got put on the, the two different antidepressants.
1: And, and you said that your doctor uh, recommended, which is interesting, that you really like get into coffee. Is that right?
2: Well, so, sort of. So I, I brought it up as like a hey, I'm having these issues, like I'm frustrated that I don't have the motivation I used to, but I don't want to get off the antidepressants because then there's this other part that I, you know, that I told you about earlier. And so what about caffeine? Could caffeine kind of be that bridge that can help me to do more and accelerate my ability to get off the antidepressants or decrease the dosage more quickly? And so the doctor said that that was actually a great idea. And yeah, absolutely, full force, go ahead, try it out. And so I started brewing teas in my dorm room and figuring out how to brew them to get more and more caffeine out. Um, and my classmates started drinking this concoction I was making in my pasta pot after I'd gotten to drinking from one cup a day to two to three to four and then making that pasta pot full. Um, at the time, I joined an entrepreneurship group knowing I wanted to start a company one day. I was lost in where I wanted to go, but I figured why not go to my childhood ambition and Um, the thing that made me most excited as a kid, which which was entrepreneurship and Mm startups and business. And so I thought that if I pushed in that direction, then maybe I would find what makes me tick. And that certainly happened.
1: Well, let's talk about the entrepreneurial group because you had the unique experience of joining the group as the only woman in the group.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the group was being founded by a couple of my classmates from my freshman year dorm. And I was recruited to the group I thought because we had been friends and they thought I'd make for a great entrepreneur one day. Um, and that was probably part of it. But another very real part of it was that they needed women or Duke wouldn't give them funding. It right. couldn't be an all male entrepreneurship group. And so they also didn't tell me I had to start a startup to join the group. They were afraid that I would be freaked out and turn away from the group if they said that, uh, which is probably true at the time, at least. And so I joined the group and all the guys had tech startups around me and had customers and we're selling and we're getting investors and here I was the only girl and the only one that didn't have any ideas let alone a direction to move forward in and when I when I expressed my frustration to one of the guys who's now my fiance yeah. he said well wh- well, why don't you just start selling what you're already making who knows maybe you can get into Whole Foods sometime
1: unbelievable and
2: so that that that's pretty amazing to see but sometimes you just you don't see things yourself and you just need somebody else to point it out and then that's all you need you can go full force ahead with with, with that in mind
1: well that's so your fiance was in that group
2: yes that's At, how we met
1: what year was that that
2: was in 2012
1: that was in 20, 2012 okay he, and, he
2: wasn't my fiance then of course we were, we were just friends
1: right and but you've said I've, I've heard you describe that relationship before he's very tough right he's sort of like he gives a lot of tough love. And, and, and motivates oh, he,
2: he's, you he's, he's a tough loving kind of guy there's, there's no simple love to give, there's, there's just tough love and, and having fun together
1: right well what was that, I'm really curious um, it's interesting that you say it's sort of like a token of diversity where they have to have one woman in the group to yes. sort of call themselves a group what did that feel like for you to be in a group with men and what did you, what did you take away from it
2: well, I played co-ed water polo in high school, and so I was used to being on a team with all guys. Um, and I would ride buses with the guys and hear all the trash talk that they would say to one, one another. Um, and then the first two and a half years I spent at Duke, I studied mechanical engineering, and that was very male-dominated. So I kind of felt right at home, and it didn't really bother me. Um, and when I found out how um, how... How much Duke needed to have at least a female in the group so that it wasn't a male only group. I didn't really see it as something negative towards, for me, it was more like, okay, well, I'm here and I'm kind of lucky that I, that I got here. Doesn't really matter how that happened, but let me make the best of it. And, uh, I, I think I just laughed it off because it, it had, by that point, by the time I found out, it had already started to change my life.
1: And you've said before that uh, women often downplay their success. And I've I've heard that yeah. said before. And, and the same is not true of men. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, what I mean by that is um, the bus talk that happens with guys. There's also the same type of car talk that happens. like the guys in a group and they'll just be like all macho and talking about all the stuff they've accomplished and how awesome they are and everything that they've done and check me out and look at my big muscles and you know whatever. And, and women will downplay all of their accomplishments in comparison to men. And so I think it's been really helpful from high school through college and then being a part of a very male-dominated um, startup scene in North Carolina to be around that and realize if I'm going to compete for the same investor dollars, for the same retailer support, for all of the same resources, I need to recognize how I need to be pitching and pitching the same way. It doesn't mean lying. It just means you have to learn how to pitch the way that everybody else is pitching.
1: So give me an example of how your pitch has developed or evolved over time based on what you learned in that group and your style.
2: Um, So I have have had to balance out um, a perceived stigma for women that are fundraising but also knowing that I need to pitch like a man. Um, So how do you do that when you can't come across um, so aggressively that you're unlikable? And there's been a lot of statistics and research around that as well. And so my my conclusion and what I've been working towards is being very numerical and quantitative in everything that I say and having that support, knowing my numbers of my business backwards and forwards better than anybody else. And that gives me both the confidence in my own business and in my pitching that I can come across with that same level of confidence in my business and in myself because of that knowledge, that really strong knowledge base that I have. And then knowing the numbers so well every single day means that that's what I drive my team towards is excelling in the metrics that matter. And so it's, it really becomes a, it's become a virtuous cycle where I know what we, which metrics and KPIs we need to be hitting and how how quickly we need to be growing. And if we can achieve those metrics, that's really impressive and that's exciting. And um, that's been really helpful to me for balancing needing to pitch with confidence and not bragging, but like uh, what are the exciting metrics that somebody wants to know about? What are the exciting pieces? And how can you tell them that in a in a way that they believe you, it's it's through data. It's through data and through an emotional story. And so um, being able to bridge both of those in in the pitches that I give, that's been the most effective for me.
1: We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Braintree. If you think that your payment system exists solely for the purpose of transferring money from a customer's wallet to yours, think again. Braintree, rethink payments. Learn more at BraintreePayments.com/Forbes. Well, it's really an interesting angle that you're that you're uh, tapping into because we learned a lot about this during this last election cycle. Uh huh where one person, one candidate is very well-prepared and the other is is not, but but superbly confident, uh, never in doubt. And I think you're right. It it is twice as hard for a woman to balance that because someone who's seen as uh, bossy might be decisive, right? That that women have to sort of navigate through those waters that men don't have to.
2: Or or the B word, right? That's that's what a lot of times comes across in the research is that when women come across as being confident or decisive, um, those aren't the words that are used to describe them. It's um, much more demeaning words.
1: Right. And do you... Have you experienced that in the room? Like when you know something really well and then that the, the men kind of have that response to you, as you say?
2: I, I focused on the data um, and using that as my reasons and arguments. And so when you have data to back up your opinions, then that's hard to argue with. And I, I don't try to, I try to be opinionated about things that I know a lot about, but I try to be open when I don't know a lot about something to do the research and find out more and let that dictate the direction that I set my mind on. And I think that that's a really healthy way to go about it because then I've, I've had to educate myself and learn and it's not just gut instincts or gut feelings that are driving the reasoning behind why I say something or why I've done something or why I'm proposing a certain solution one way or another.
1: I guess that's and in business you really do have to back it up. I mean, you you clearly do have the data to support your ideas. You're not it's not like you're running for congress.
2: Right. I'm not I'm not selling just myself. I'm selling my business and what we've accomplished and we have a lot of metrics and data to support what we've accomplished and a lot of average companies our size don't buy the level of data that we buy but uh, that's really important to me to be able to pitch successfully both to investors and retailers is if you don't know your data then you're just selling an emotional story and that's not as convincing as raw data being able to say we're outselling this competitor by this much and these are your dollars per store per week this is your opportunity cost of delaying your decision by six weeks Um, this is how much your stores will be losing based on our sales at this competitor and this many stores that you have if you can really pull out that data and sell with, date, with data, but from a product standpoint that, that has a lot of opportunity, that goes a long way.
1: Well, Tatiana, how have you, I mean, because I think you're a really inspiring example for a lot of young women, too, who want to get into business and, and, and entrepreneurship. Do you, do, do you take active steps to sort of tell your story to groups of women's empowerment organizations and things like that?
2: Um, I, I spend a lot of time mentoring undergraduate students, um, and so I, I tell my story there. I tell my story at a lot of events in the North Carolina area or where I'm invited. Um, I don't think that my story should just be an inspiration to women. Um, I think hopefully it can be an inspiration to anybody. Um, and I, I believe in just going out and doing your best and being your best self and being aware of The fact that there may be biases against you, but there's also a whole lot of opportunities available to women. Being aware of those challenges, but taking advantage of the opportunities of being a woman, if you're willing to set your mindset in that direction, that can be really powerful. You can really accelerate your your own capacity to grow, to make an impact, and to drive your career forward.
0: And we're taking a quick break to
2: say thanks to our sponsors for making the Forbes Under 30 podcast possible.
0: Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only.
1: I want to ask you about um, your mental health because you've come such a long way from when you went to Duke and um, you know were had the blues and, and was in your head a little bit, and then you've had this tremendous yeah. success over this stretch of like five, six years. How how are you doing yep. now? Because that could also bring on a, a whole new set of problems. Success.
2: <laughs> well, it. it... <laughs> Success challenges are, are their own breed of, are, of challenges, but um, I think depression isn't like the It's not. It's certainly not something that I would ever wish upon anybody else or to go through again myself. Um, but I learned so much. And going through it that I've been able to take a lot of the lessons of how to get myself out of depression, how to get myself out of episodes of depression, and turn them into a virtuous cycle out in, and instead of the vicious cycle that it was mm-hmm. causing before. And so I think that that's something that's really powerful is if you can overcome challenges, you become a stronger person. You're not weaker because you had something to overcome. You, you, if you truly overcome it, you've actually become a much stronger person and can drive those same methods that you use to get yourself out of depression to drive your career forward faster or your life um, in the direction that you want to go more quickly.
1: Do you have a practice, like do you talk with someone or do you practice mindfulness meditation? Or what do you do to, you know, for, for yourself?
2: Yeah, so well, what I used to do while I was on the antidepressants is I, I would see a psychiatrist every week and I specifically selected a cognitive behavioral therapist as well. Yeah. Who, the psychiatrist was trained in, in cognitive behavioral therapy, and she helped me develop a lot of mind training um, exercises that I still use today. But instead of pulling myself out of the blue, if you will, they're now pulling me and pushing me forward in a positive mm. direction, not out of something negative, but towards something very positive. And so... That's something that I don't think a lot of people talk about, is how can you use overcoming a mental illness to your strength once you've overcome it? You can continue developing those same skill sets to become even stronger. And so that's what I've been working really hard on, continuing to develop and continuing to do over the past five to six years. And I I think it's, it's certainly paid off.
1: We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Braintree. When it comes time to check out, consumers have come to expect a wide range of payment options. Or to be more accurate, there are a wide range of consumers out there and every one of them expects you to offer their preferred payment method. You can look at this as a hassle, but Braintree would suggest you look at it as an opportunity. When you rethink your payments, it's easy to let your consumers have it their way. Braintree. Rethink payments. Find out more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. Well, it's interesting to hear you talk about that because there's so much stigma around mental health. And, uh, you know, I've heard somebody say it's like, it's not like even if you've had success, how could you be depressed? People say that you would never say, how could you have asthma? I mean, it really is like a disorder that, that needs to be treated. And how is CBT, behavioral therapy, different from like analysis, what, what is the difference? Because I know a lot of people in business use cognitive behavioral therapy, right?
2: Yeah, so it's, it's learning how to think differently. So we all have like bad talk. I, I can't believe I said that, why, why didn't I say something else? Or why didn't I say this? Or why didn't I argue that point in this way instead of that way? Um, but learning to cut yourself off early in that, those mental conversations and say, we all make mistakes, it's okay. It's about how do I go forward now? And how do I learn from that so that I don't make the same mistake twice, and I can grow stronger? And so that's one example of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's not just about analysis, but really focusing on changing your mindset. Um, and then another portion is um, learning to understand how to change actions. So you you can't and, and thought processes. You can't just change how your whole brain thinks right off the bat, um, especially when you're in deep depression. What you can do is you can make one small decision a day, take one action that can start influencing how you're you're thinking about yourself, and that can then start influencing how you're feeling. And so you can very easily see how that applies to uh, somebody that's struggling where they don't do anything all day, and then they have all this negative talk about how they didn't do anything all day, and they feel bad about that. And so that leads to a lot of negative feelings and to a deeper sense of depression.
1: What was it? What, go ahead, please.
2: To turn that into a virtuous cycle, you can once you've grown out of the vicious cycle, you can say, look at all these great actions that I took. I'm so proud of myself. Like this is a really hard day and I did it anyway. I'm so proud of myself. And then you start to feel even better and more motivated to be able to continue driving towards whatever goals that you have.
1: Tatiana, what is an example of a stress that you had back in 2011 or 2012 that would have sort of crippled you in your dorm room, and and uh, that when you were really relying on the antidepressants, to, compared to a stress that you might have now with your business being, you know, as as successful as it is?
2: Oh, the stresses are completely different. It's it's like asking, has the life of a of an entrepreneur um, businesswoman different than a college student? Um, it's, it's everything. Like I didn't choose. All of the food I ate, I had a limited selection of meals that I could eat from the cafeteria. I slept in until noon every day when I was in college because I could. I um, had homework to do, and if I didn't do it, nobody got hurt. There weren't, any, except myself, um, and you know there there weren't any real life consequences. Whereas today, I have twenty five families, employees, and their families to to look out for. I have. Um, hundreds of thousands of cans of products that go out that can either help change somebody's day and help make them more productive and feel great about themselves and, like, they can um, be the king of their world and and get to where they want to go, or it can make them sick. And so um, we we manufacture our own products, and so ensuring that we have quality control running at 100% every single day with no mistakes allowed and the, the manufacturing alongside that that, so those are completely, completely different challenges.
1: Well, you were talking earlier about some of the data. Can you run through some of the data now? How, who are you targeting? Who are you reaching? How has it shifted, that, the demographic that you're going after?
2: Yeah, so from 2015 to 2016, we grew 130%, which is uh, in line with two of the largest beverage sales that happened in, in November last year. One had been growing 100%, the other one had been growing 150% on average. They sold for almost a combined $2 billion, and those growth rates were pretty consistent from their early days when they were our size. Um, Last year, we grew from five employees to over 20. We're now, looks like we're closing out the month with about 28 employees. We've grown from one national retailer last year, early last year, which was Whole Foods, to now having five and hopefully doubling that number by the end of this year and so we, we we've we've been growing at an astronomical rate and it means that every employee in the company including myself have, have to learn that quickly to be able to keep up
1: and how have you marketed the drink because at first you thought it was going to be more more attractive to women is that right
2: yeah initially I thought that it would be women that were interested in drinking a healthy energizing tea
1: the lack of sugar
2: with a lack of sugar no sugar added low calories 45 calories for 12 ounces and in my early research i found that actually the early adopters were men and they loved it because it was a replacement for red bull and something that they could feel really good about consuming and so today our consumers are closer to 50 50 um, certainly for the energy drink category which is very male dominated but we're about 60 percent men 40 percent women now and, and the marketing is, is starting to change. We're becoming more and more sophisticated, but still relying on a lot of grassroots initiatives like in-store sampling, community events, et cetera.
1: And you, it, it really is the same amount of caffeine as in a Red Bull.
2: Yeah. No sugar added. It's just fruit juices and tea. Uh, nothing artificial, nothing fake, nothing synthetic. None of the bad stuff.
1: How is the business going in terms of how much is it valued at? How profitable are you?
2: So we're, we're growing so quickly that we're not focused on profitability, and that's, that's pretty common in the non-alcoholic beverage space. Um, but it's, it's growing really quickly. We're really happy with the direction. Our, our investors and shareholders are really excited about um, where we're taking the business and the successes and market that we're having.
1: And so what I'm just curious, what does it mean to not be focused on profitability?
2: Yeah, so um, the, the big beverage guys are uh, – they're, they're – Cokes and their Pepsis and Mountain Dews and their Dr. Pepper Snapples are declining in sales and have been for the past decade. And they've tried to be innovative in-house, and they're able to to a certain extent with packaging and other unhealthy sodas. But They really struggle to make truly innovative products, and so they've transitioned their focus to acquiring those innovative brands. And so one of the first ones that was really popular was vitamin water. And recently, Bi Water exited Kavita, which is a healthy kombucha shot right, right.
0: there's, there's
2: been Honest Tea exited in the early 2000s. And so the, that's what the big boys are looking for. And they're looking for drivers of growth, not of profitability. And so what you're seeing in a lot of the acquisitions that the big guys are making is they're looking for that growth factor and not the profitability factor.
1: And so who are some of your competitors right now, if you had to name them?
2: Sure. So mainstream competitors are, are Red Bull and Monster. They have about 80% of their market share of energy drinks. Coffee and tea ready-to-drink options are competitors in the natural set, as are Guru, Runa, Guayaki, High Balls.
1: What, what about the Yerba Mates of the world?
2: Yep. So Guayaki is a Yerba Mate-based um, tea slash energy drink.
1: Okay. And, and not, Pepsi isn't one? Or like the, the sodas?
2: Not really. I mean, it's it's a competitor just like water is from a share of stomach standpoint, but not from a functionality or actual consumer preferences
1: perspective. I have a pitch for you, Tatiana.
2: Okay, share it.
1: I really think we should do, and I don't know why I say we, because it's your business. I'm just on a microphone. But I think we should come up with (laughs) an advertising campaign that is like super macho. Uh, and, and we go after all those guys and, and, and sort of appeal to them for their their vanity. They they don't want the sugar in their diet, but we can make it kind of like a macho drink, like an 80s classic Coke commercial, but it's, it's a Mati energy drink they're having.
2: I like it. I'll have to get my brand manager on the phone with you to talk through some of the details. I
1: think it'd be int- very retro. You know, one of those old, it's like a Heinz yeah. ketchup commercial where the guy with all the muscles throws it across the table. You just see it, you know, and they, yeah. they put it, I think it could be interesting. It's something to think about. Think we don't need to come up with it right now.
2: Absolutely.
1: Listen, Tatiana, thank you for taking time uh, out of the out of the day in the mountains in Colorado. We appreciate it and we wish you loads of success and uh, and I would really uh, appreciate some some, uh, some 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 Mati energy myself because I am quite addicted to caffeine. Well
2: I'll have to send you over some samples that would Enough be great. To last you a week so you can really try it out.
1: Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you so much.
2: All right. Thanks so much for the time. And sorry about the background
1: noise again. No worries. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under 30. That's the number 30 at podcastone.com.
0: Everyone sells today. So how do you bring your best sales game every day? Simple. Listen to the Advanced Selling Podcast on Podcast One. Hi, I'm Bill Kasky. And I'm Brian Neal. Each week, we answer listener questions like, how do I compete against a cheap competitor? And Brian's favorite, because he always has an answer to this, how do I meet with a CEO when they won't even return my calls? The Advanced Selling Podcast is where the best go to get better. Listen Mondays on Podcast One and on iTunes. I'm Ed Donahue.